The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. We are back in with the latest edition of our boxing radio podcast. We love the insight that we always get online on Big Fight Weekend. But now it is the spoken word here on the podcast with the very latest in the sweet science and much more. I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns. How you feeling? TJ, looking pretty good. Number fight weekend. Got Jesse Vargas and Mikey Garcia back in action. Looking forward to it. I know we got that, and we got a lot of other news away from the ring for this week before we get for that showdown, the DAZN streaming service main event for Saturday. And we have enlisted some great help. Uh, multi-platform media star Ryan O'Hara of FightNights.com and Ring TV. And did I see you on the post-fight press conference, Wilder Fury, asking a question? I do believe I did, you telestar you. How you doing? Doing great, man. How about you guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that was me. I didn't find out until a couple <laughs> hours later when I saw my phone blowing up. Uh, I was kind of confused. I didn't realize they were streaming it live. Wait. But you know, my my cousin was at a fight, was at a watch party, and was screaming when when I appeared. And was like, "Hey, that's my cousin." And I was like, "Oh boy." Uh, you should have, yeah. You should have had like a mic flag or a little sign that said fightnights.com. We gotta, we gotta help you with that for later on. Just to get a little publicity or just, you know, a sticker on the forehead or whatever you gotta do uh, for a little pub. It was great to see you uh, there. Let's begin right there. Uh, Marquise and I have talked on a recap podcast about the fight. I'd love to have your feelings now that you've had a few di- days to digest what you saw in person in the MGM Grand Garden Arena with Tyson Fury defeating Deontay Wilder. What do you, what do you think? What do you want to say about the performance we saw with Fury coming on top? Yeah, I thought uh, Fury looked I thought Fury looked amazing and I thought Wilder looked flat. Um, you know, it was kind of a disappointing fight. You know, I was thinking that you know it was going to be a lot more competitive than that. Um, you know, from the first round it Wilder just seemed off. You know, it just seemed like he couldn't, um, you know, get any any power into his shot. It seemed like he, you know, he was, uh, you know, laboring his his leg a little bit. As soon as he moved, as soon as he moved his leg, it seemed like he grimaced or something. Um, whether it's due to the costume or a, or a pre-fight injury, I don't know. You know, I the whole costume thing sounds a little bit goofy to me, but you know, uh, it was just a really really odd fight, but. You know, Fury coming in at 273, I thought that was going to hurt him and didn't. Uh, you know, Kronk fighters are told, you know, to come in heavy and to lean on their opponents. And I think that had a, you know, big impact. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the way Wilder was shaped, you know, he, he did blow up to 231 pounds, but it was all top heavy. And, you know, when you have a guy like, like Fury, you know, land, landing shots on you and, you know, dirty boxing in the clinches and cutting off the oxygen to your brain, that can have an impact too. And, I think that had more of an impact than the costume, to be honest. Interesting. Marquise, we have not had the chance to talk on the podcast about Wilder making an excuse. And you wrote about this on BigFightWeekend.com. He's clearly making an excuse and blaming the costume. What do you make of it? What's your take? It's either blaming the costume or because his dog didn't need his homework or he just had nothing else to run out of with that. My thing, TJ, and I'll let you in a little inside of my end, back Back in the younger days of Marquise, uh, he used to wear a mascot costume uh, for a high school job he had. It rhymes with a simply scare. And uh, you would stand outside for a couple of hours and you'd walk around holding a sign, pointing an arrow to go get you a sandwich. Uh, It's hot. It's heavy. It 
doesn't work like that, guys. I'm just be honest with you. Uh, it's a, it's a flat excuse on it. I it's only funny because it's funny that he didn't realize the ring walk to the wing to the ring. But Fury, who's also fought at the MGM Grand before at this point on several occasions, has been escorted in on the, his last three fights there actually. So maybe he's onto something with that. So. At this point, TJ, it's an excuse. It's not a good one. It's it's it goes up at the end with the all timers with Shane Mosley and Oysters and uh, Vladimir Klitschko getting drugged. So we'll think of what it's worth. <laughs> and and Marquise wants to confirm that his costume did not have LED lights uh, like what Dick. Wilder. Hey I, Ryan, you were in the arena when when I mean it's one thing with Fury on, on kind of the throne being rolled in with crazy playing in the background. Okay, that was wild and hilarious enough. And then Wilder makes his entrance in that getup, uh, clearly a tribute to Black History Month going on with the music, with the video that was playing in the arena. What what was your reaction to both ring walks there as you were there uh, ringside? I thought it was awesome. You know, personally, I thought that uh, you know the intros are more you know exciting than the fight. Personally, but um, you know, I thought it was great. You know, for Fury to come in. I knew he was going to do something, uh, do something like that because we, you know, we were told days before that the costume he, that he had uh, had selected was, you know, ex- super, super expensive. So I figured it, it was something royal, and uh, I think I tweeted that you know, King, I think it was like King George V is walking into the ring, something, something silly to that extent. But I thought it was great. The fans seemed to enjoy it, um, and I thought the fans enjoyed the fight too. I just, I just thought it'd be. You know, a little bit tighter. I didn't think it would be, you know, one-sided washed out like that. But, you know, overall, it was just, you know, a surreal experience, and I was very happy to be there. Um, honored that, uh, you know, PBC, Top Rank, and all those guys, uh, you know, gave me a seat for that. Cause from what I understand, there were a lot of people that got turned uh, turned away for that fight, and uh, I was happy to be there at ringside. Gotcha on that front. Um, you know, we did a recap show, as I made mention. We had a we had a guest on with us that's there in Vegas doing five-day-a-week radio named T.C. Martin. And at that time, T.C. had not seen any of the replay of the fight because it was very fresh. It was the next day. He hadn't seen the full replay of the fight, etc. I would assume you've at least seen highlights, if not the full replay. Uh, enlighten me if you have not, but if you have... Uh, what did you think now watching the TV broadcast with announcers, et cetera? Uh, yeah, I, I thought that it, se- it seemed like that perhaps the 2 and 31 pounds, you know, had, had an impact in Wilder, um, you know, right from the get-go. He didn't, I mean, he, he did land a couple of right hands to start, but, you know, Fury was ready for it. You know, he moved, he moved very well around the ring. He did admit to Deontay after the fight that the first right hand that he landed in the fight almost almost sent him into Goofy Street. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought it was a decent fight. Just thought it would be a little bit more exciting. Uh, really looking forward to see what, what's going on uh, the rest of the year. Um, that's really about it. You know, it, and as far as, you know, the pay-per-view goes, it, we're going to get that subject a bit. You know, I was a little bit surprised that uh, the number was, uh, you know, as low as it was. But at the same time, I, I think that, you know, perhaps they overpriced it a little bit, but I think I think a lot of pay per views are you know overpriced. But that's just me. Interesting, Marquise Johns. We will follow up on what Ryan just brought up that the news is out at the time that we're making the podcast here on Thursday. That the pay per views come in somewhere around eight hundred, eight hundred twenty five thousand, something like that. 
below the benchmark they were shooting for of a million. But, I mean, we, look, we should keep perspective on this. Uh, the first fight had only around 300,000 pay-per-view buys, so this one would have had three times more. So that's an excellent job with the promotion. And this would be the most pay-per-view buys for any heavyweight title fight uh, in the United States going back to Mike Tyson and uh, and Lennox Lewis 2002, which had just over a million pay-per-view buys. So uh, obviously it had some success. It didn't have as much success. Marquise, your reaction to that number? It's two issues, TJ. I think what it was, what it comes down to the, to the end of it, guys, and you guys can confirm with me on this, uh, they waited too long for the second fight to come around. I mean, Fury was ready to go. Uh, no, not Fury, but Wilder was ready to go last year when this was all said and done. Fury went to go fight on top rank and fight yeah, the affordable uh, Tom Suarez and Otto Valens of the world. So that didn't help any causes with it. Uh, the problem, too, is what Brian mentioned with the price point. This card on a whole, TJ, and I mentioned to you on Sunday as well, this wasn't the strongest card up and down watching the fight. I mean, the co-main event of this fight, of which is an IBF title eliminator of Charles Martin and Gerald Washington. I think Charles Martin's hilarious. You know, he's the god that walks this earth in the LeBron James of boxing. But to the average fan who doesn't know anything besides that, like I do, who are these guys? So it, it was a lot of that going on in this, in this fight card. And even on the broadcast, TJ, I mentioned on Sunday as well, where, you know, they, they were showing, like, you know, Wilder putting on his gloves and the bronze bomber socks in between these fights because they just knew what the intention of this fight was as the main event. So it's, it's with that in mind, also with the pay-per-view numbers, the price point's a little high. Also, I think, because you mentioned the, the, the uh, Tyson-Lewis fight from 2002, the, the technology is just there at this point. Uh, the, people weren't able to uh, p- pirate and find ways to watch this fight elsewhere back in the old days of 2002 of the old internet. You had pretty much one choice, either go out and watch it or pay for it. Now it's 2020. You can either go out and watch it, or you can find someplace online that may carry a, a link or two to find it. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, I'm not, I'm, I'm not to cut you off, TJ. To piggyback, uh, Tim Smith of PBC mentioned the great quote was like, We know there's going to be fifth around for this fight. So people were watching this fight. It was number one thing trending on Twitter at, at one point during Saturday night's main event. It's just people weren't paying for it. I mean, it is what it is. All right. So the rumored number, a story was done uh, by Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports, their senior uh, boxing and MMA writer and columnist. And and he quoted uh, an analyst, an Internet analyst. uh, And, Ryan, you may have seen some of this. We've written about it on BigFightWeekend.com that says between 10 and 20 million pirated streams were going on worldwide maybe upwards of 20 million streams uh, illegally watching this fight, not paying for it. Who knows what the truth is? Does that number shock you that it would be that high and that much interest? What do you think, Ryan? It doesn't really surprise me. I mean, yeah, they spent upwards of $30 million on ads uh, during Super Bowl Sunday. Um, You know, people are just cheap in general. You know, know, they'd rather, you know, just, Go on, even if they're millionaires, they they don't want to pay for it. They'll just go out there and and, and stream it illegally. Um, you know, there there are a lot of websites out there that all you have to do is you you click on it and the ad pops up. You hit X and you know there's the fight. You know, it's it it's, it kind of it kind of you know, reminds me of automatic toilets. It's like you know you don't flush the toilet anymore, just let the toilet do it. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's the way I think about it. Well, I mean, honestly, and I mean, you mentioned so well, <laughs> you mentioned the eighty dollar price. Is that something that should maybe be evaluated for the rematch here? That you might get more legal purchases. Let's say if it's I don't know sixty nine ninety five or sixty four ninety five as opposed to eighty bucks. Do you think that matters? Yeah, 
I, I actually don't think they should change it. I think they should. I think we're too, you know, too we're we're past that point because even if you if you reduce it, if you reduce it, it kind of sends a message like, oh, maybe this fight's not as you know, it's not it's not really that important. So you know, maybe you know, change a few dollars here and there, but you know, I I just I just don't know if, if it's going to make much of a difference. But it's but but for this particular rematch, you know, for you know, how much it was being promoted, um, you know, they probably should have, I would say maybe $60, 50, 60 bucks, but I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, you know, the older generation, I think, I, I feel like, you know, we should probably, you know, talk to, you know, old fans, you know, o- older generation fans seem to be, um, you know, distancing themselves, you know, further from the sport just because of how, you know, expensive things are getting. So I know that we're trying to attract younger generation of fans, but, you know, at some point you got you, you got to wonder. Maybe just maybe things are a little bit too expensive. Um, you know, I look at you know baseball tickets, basketball tickets. You know, prices are just going up, and you know wages for the average American aren't getting any better. So uh, I think everything should be evaluated. Voice of Ryan O'Hara, FightNights.com, with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I've also got Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Love these guys, giving me some insight here on the aftermath of Wilder and Fury. I promise we'll get to other subjects, including uh, the upcoming Vargas Garcia DAZN main event, welterweight contender eliminator type fight that's coming up on Saturday night on DAZN from the Star uh, in Frisco, Texas, the Cowboys practice facilities where they'll hold that one on Saturday evening. Uh, Marquise, uh, you know, the, one of the suggestions is that maybe they should go instead of pay per view, that they should go on cable or maybe network TV and try to blow it out with the ad sales. The problem is. Even if you were to have hypothetically 20, 30 million people watching, you're not, that still isn't going to translate into 60, 70, 80 million dollars in ad sales. It just doesn't. So you're, you're almost like what Ryan is saying beholden to the high priced pay per view and hope you get around the same audience or a little better, aren't you? We are at this point. And the thing with if you put, if you put this fight, like a fight of this magnitude on basic cable, there's too many platforms at this point out there for it. Say, all you need at this point is just internet, TJ, to watch these fights if you're just watching it on cable or just if they just had to just help on, for example, just ESPN Plus, like the entire prelim card is for this pay-per-view, you can just watch that and it was a walloping $4.99 a month. So is it, there's, there's got to be a better way and there's got to be a halfway balance in regards to it. Uh, Ryan mentioned the great point of the, the generational gap of pretty much the younger generation is not trying to pay for anything and the older generation is paying too much for it and doesn't want to pay for it anymore. There has to be a balance in between midway for it. But as you know, guys, the, the guarantees on this fight, I, I want to say it wasn't it uh, Wilder and Fury both got $28 million a piece for this. So at some point, the money's got to come from somebody. That somebody is us. Yeah, and the paying customer, the paying public. They hope. They hope. Yeah. They hope and they, and they will try to. All right, so uh, we, we will get a third fight. Uh, because Deontay Wilder has invoked the rematch clause. We believe that fight will be later this summer. Ryan, are you jazzed at that, or are you kind of where a lot of people are, which is Fury has fought him twice and really dominated him twice, didn't get the decision the first time, they called it a draw, but but overwhelmed him and stopped him. Are you are you interested right now at this stage in a third fight later this summer, Wilder Fury? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think about it. Uh 
you know, from Wilder's perspective, because after the first fight, it was ruled a draw, so obviously you have to have a rematch. And the rematch, you know, Fury stopped Wilder, but there's also some questions, you know, what was going on with Wilder, because it seemed like, you know, he was off from the start of the fight. So now, now that Wilder has a loss on his resume, I'm interested to see, now that Wilder is, you know, kind of been humbled uh, to, to an extent, maybe not. I mean, he's been kind of going off the rails, but, I mean, a lot of fighters do that. I mean, when Bernard Hopkins got knocked out by Joe Smith, you know, we heard for weeks about how he was pushed and pushed and pushed and all, and all this other stuff, you know, which wasn't true. He, he got literally knocked out of the ring. But, you know, a lot of fighters, you know, come up with, you know, excuses after a fight. I, I feel like that, you know, in this era of social media, we have a lot of guys, you know, that use it and have never fought. They don't, they, they've never experienced, you know, anything like this in their lives. So it's easy for them to say, wow, you stink, you know, blah, 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 blah. But let's be honest, 90% of the guys that are on social media, if they, if they saw Deontay Wilder, they'd probably crap their pants. So I, I would take their comments, you know, w- with a grain of salt. But uh, again, like I said, now that Wilder's had a lot, you know, now we're going to see, you know, what Wilder's truly made of. Is he going to have like, you know, a, a comeback, you know, re- reminiscent of Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz, which, you know, honestly, you, you, it wasn't that impressive because, you know, Ruiz re- wasn't even ready to fight. Um, so I think we'll, we'll get to see more uh, of what Joshua really has against Pulev. But if Wilder faces Fury in this third fight, we're going to see um, what Wilder's truly made of, you know, um, you know, how far is he willing to dig? You know, is he willing to, you know, learn more about technique, about movement, uh, that sort of thing. Obviously, he can't rely just on his power, and, you know, that was uh, instilled into him last Saturday. So we will see what happens. I'm excited to see that, but I know that some people are, you know, look at the fact that Fury has won about 15 of the 19 rounds, and I think Fury would would win the third fight, uh, honestly, probably by decision. Uh, But, again, like I said, I'm interested to see what Wilder has. Uh, but again, I think a lot of us are going to be intrigued. I'm intrigued the same way. I think Marquise feels that. I mean, again, we're all fight fans here. Most most anybody that's listening to us on this podcast is a fight fan. Um, and and truly, uh, I know our colleague David Payne uh, was saying, I don't need to see it because Fury's dominated him twice. He's over in England, et cetera, et cetera. You gotta you gotta be very careful with never. And uh, and I, I don't go along with the never premise that uh, that Wilder's never going to catch him with a right hand again or never going to catch him with a big enough punch to make a difference uh, in a potential third fight. And there's the intrigue. Can he do that? I agree that tactically, I don't think you reinvent yourself. I don't think he can become a tremendous combination puncher or, or show better uh, boxing skill and movement at 35 years of age. He's going to be 35 later this year. I don't think you're going to see that, but there is some intrigue on whether he can land that lightning bolt, that haymaker right hand uh, that he's landed throughout his career or not. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a big part of the intrigue. So, uh, Marquise, let's pose this to you. As, as Ryan made mention, let's morph off the Wilder Fury conversation. Joshua and Pulev apparently set, not officially announced, but Eddie Hearn telling media members on Thursday, June 20th, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. I don't know, I mean, especially in the United States, I don't know that fight fans really care about this. The U.K. fight fans are going to care for Joshua. Uh, Marquise, what say you that we apparently have a date here and Joshua will be back in the ring? 
Yay. Cool wear pool of guys. Really? I mean, <laughs> this, this is my stinks, guys. I'm not interested in this at all whatsoever. This is one of those, this is literally the definition of a stay busy mandatory to keep the fight moving along. Anyone who's seen pool of in the last three fights on these top ranked cards will tell you why wouldn't these guys fight this guy sooner? Joshua could fight this guy in the offseason at this point and it wouldn't make any difference. It's one, it's one of those fights that they have to make it because it's sanctioned. He has the IBF title built back from Andy Louise, so Joshua has to fight this guy as required to for as part of the rematch clause. So we'll finally get to see Anthony Joshua outpunch Kubat Pulov, who is not going to do much. I think 37 going on 87 at this point <laughs> at July 25th in the UK. Thankfully, that goes away. And the, the back piggyback off the uh, Water of Three uh, Fury talk uh, you mentioned earlier before, the one thing that's been missing with everyone talking this week, boxing media-wise, that keeps writing off like Water, they don't want to see the third fight. Water had this WBC belt for five years. This guy at least deserves the right to fight right. belt back. Right. Can't figure that. Can't figure out why he's forgetting all of that. And then it's re- weird revisionist history, as if we all forgot that Andy Louise <laughs> knocked out Anthony Joshua that's last correct. June, right? But you know, hey, victors go to spoils. You know, people overseas in the UK, hey, we want Anf- we want we, we want to see Fury Joshua. You know, like, we get it, dream booking. It's cool. In the meantime, you get Kubat Pulev, and we all get to fall asleep through that. So until that happens, I'm looking forward to the third fight, guys. I've I'm still sticking by what I told you earlier, TJ. Uh, July 20, uh, June 25th, July 25th, that around summertime. Uh, Fox sponsored pay per view. More than likely, either back in Vegas at the MGM Grand or whoever they choose, where out in New York, either Barclays or MG- MSG. But looking forward to uh, with Joshua in this Kubat fight. The one thing I'm looking forward to on this is how fast can Joshua get this guy out of there? Because it's one of those fights where he needs a stoppage. If this goes to points like Joshua Luis 2 went. There's going to be a lot of disdain around boxing media. I don't care what they tell you. It's, mm. this, this, this is not one of those fights where he he can sit and outbox Kubat Pulev. He's already going to outbox Kubat Pulev. He just needs to get done and get the topage. That's just my personal opinion. Well, and, and Pulev, again, everybody points to, well, he fought Vladimir Klitschko. That was five years ago. What century was that? Correct. And and Pulev hasn't fought really a name fighter in the last three years and yet is ranked number one by the IBF. That's a whole nother uh, thirty minute subject matter. We could go down the rabbit hole on on rankings and how that works. But this is the fight we have. Uh Ryan, if it's a scale of one to ten on your uh do I care meter for Joshua Pulev, you would have what number between one and ten? Negative twenty four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. That one uh, yeah. pretty well pretty well sums it up. Uh, do you believe that Joshua? I'll use the word hiding. He's been hiding for a while from Deontay Wilder. Now now Eddie Hearn can't talk enough about uh, let's make Joshua and Fury happen. Do you believe if all things are equal and both guys win, Fury wins again, Joshua wins again, we get Joshua Fury at the end of this year, Ryan O'Hara? It could happen. Fury will win that fight, though. Um, you know, stylistically, Fury will win that fight pretty easily, in my opinion. Um, you know, and obviously Joshua hasn't hasn't wanted to fight Wilder ever, so I don't think we'll ever see those two fights unless you know Wilder, you know, turns you know sixty. We we, we might see that fight someday. <laughs> Maybe when they're uh, senior citizens and on AARP. I got I got one for you though, and this is not out of the realm. If Wilder wins and Wilder is impressive, I, I don't know how Joshua can hide from him anymore. He's hid from him for so long, and if you're willing to if you're willing to fight Fury because he beat Wilder, how are you not willing at this point if Wilder wins again to not say undisputed championship fight? Let's get it on. Let's fight. Let's do this somewhere at at some point. 
uh, not just the the fight fans, the boxing media, everybody bands together and says, stop being a chicken. The greats fight the greats. If you're willing to fight Fury, be willing to fight Wilder if he wins. There's my there's my take on that one. Uh, uh, coming up. Well, I mean, sure, go ahead, Ryan. Sanctioning bodies will have to come up. They'll have to do their job. The sanctioning bodies, you know, the the whole the whole point of the sanctioning body is to make fights happen, and that never happens. Sanctioning bodies are there to make fights happen, and they rarely do. But you know, if sanctioning bodies never existed, we we, we would never know Winky right either. So we have to think about that too. Now, it's a good point that the uh, the belts should mean something, but in some cases. Uh, that's dubious too. So that, again, that's another rabbit hole that we could go down. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get an opinion from both of you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast before we get out of here. Uh, this upcoming uh, Saturday night showdown here, uh, Vargas and Garcia. It's a welterweight uh, showdown, um, and and again, uh, Mikey Garcia, a blown up lightweight or junior welterweight fighter, trying to make a go of it here at 147. He lost a year ago to Errol Spence at, at this weight class. Marquise, to you first. What about the the intrigue here of this main event on DAZN Saturday night in the preview mode? Looking forward to it to see what version of Marky Garcia we get actually on the rebound after that uh, one-sided victory for Errol Spence in the pay-per-view last year and one of the more unintriguing fights that happened last year, if not, I think about it. Uh, seeing how he's going to be up against Vargas is a pretty game challenge, actually. We'll, I, he should win this on points easily, uh, TJ. The, the thing with this is uh, I, Garcia signed with Matchroom on this one-fight deal with the anticipation of winning this fight to hopefully land, of course, you know, the golden goose of that Pacquiao fight in somewhere God knows when. We'll see how that all plays out and if it's just more fancy booking by him and Eddie Hurd and everybody else down that way. But another thing on this fight that I want to keep you guys to keep an eye on, and uh, you can confirm this as well, uh, Brian, uh, Julio Cesar Martinez is facing Jay Harris in a flyweight uh, uh, title defense. Very exciting guy at 112, the guy who pretty much dropped Charlie Edwards earlier in the year for no contest. Pretty much to the point where Charlie Edwards had to pretty much decide to, to switch weight classes because of it because he didn't want to fight him again. On the second defense, one of the active fighters, he's, a, he's actually pretty good. I'm looking forward to that on there, facing Jay Harris, who has been a mainstay on a lot of these MTK Global cards, most notably in Newcastle. And was his, but his biggest victory was against Patty Barnes, the former Olympian. So it's, it's one of those state-based fights for Martinez, but it should be a fun one to keep an eye on. Also on this fight card, uh, Chocolito is back in action yep. facing Kaya Fai. And that's the 50-50 fight on here that I think everybody personally is looking forward to, mainly because it's for the uh, Superfly title for the WBA. Also, this is one of those defenses where uh, Kaya Fai, who's been ducking literally Jason Maloney since the beginning we started this podcast, DJ. And at this point, in the event that Chocolito pulls off the upset, he will become champion again at his uh, at his age, which is pretty legendary at this point. I'm um, looking forward to this card, actually. It's actually one of the better ones that Matron's putting up over at Frisco coming up. How intrigued are you again here, Ryan O'Hara, with this, with Jesse Vargas Garcia as the main event? And I think that Yafai Chocolatito co-main event could be really good. Little guys that can really both punch. Uh, but that's my opinion. Ryan, Ryan O'Hara, what do you think? You know, I'm intrigued. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't think the main event's all that exciting, but you know, I still think there's some intrigue to it. I'm curious to see you know, what Mike Garcia is made of. Of course, he suffered his first loss to Errol Spence, but got to realize Errol Spence is one of the best fighters in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, and, you know, Mikey's team wanted to stop that fight, like in the ninth or 10th and Mikey refused, um, you know, it showed, you know, what he has, you know, a lot of what he has, you know, in his heart, uh, and in his chin. So, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for, you know, going the distance with sense because he was getting hit by missiles in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at Jesse Vargas, you know, he's a big welterweight, you know, has underrated power. 
Um, you know, he has power in, in, in his right hand. Um, it's not really known for his power, but I, I think Mikey will win this fight on points. But I'm also interested to see how Jesse performs because, you know, after, um, you know, losing to Pacquiao, he beat Aaron Herrera. Uh, you know, had two consecutive draws with Adrian Broner and Thomas Dumorme. Um, and, of course, knocked out Humberto Soto. But if you take a look at the, the resumes, I think that, you know, Mikey has been facing the tougher fighters, uh, at least over his last couple fights. Thomas DeLorme and, you know, Humberto Soto, who, who is well past his prime, I, I don't think that, you know, prepared Jesse for uh, this type of fight this weekend. But, like I said, that's why we fight the fight. It, it, I'm interested to see what Jesse has left. Uh, because especially in the DeLorme fight, he admitted that, you know, he didn't prepare like he should have. Um, a fight that he should have won easily ended up being a draw. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, like, I'm, I'm more excited for the, you know, the chief support bout between Cal Yafai and Chuck Letito Gonzalez. And I, I think Chuck Letito uh, could win this one. Uh, Yafai has, I would say that, you know, Yafai has never really wanted to, to face Chuck Letito. Um, you know, when he was in his prime, Yafai talked about it, but he never, you know, went out of his way to try and to, to try and get that fight. So it's just interesting to see, you know, how how Yafai uh, will face um, an out of prime Chuck Latito. But I think Ramon will take the victory. Well, Chuck Latito again, forty eight and two. Only one guy has beaten him. He beat him both times back about three years ago. Uh, Sorung Visai, the Thai fighter that, that upset him, took his title, and then beat him in the rematch. He's got 40 knockouts in 48 fights. Uh, and Yafai, again, is undefeated. This is the sixth defense of his title. These are little guys that can both throw. That'll be interesting as the co-main event with Garcia and Vargas. All right, closing comments. Anything else here? Uh, Ryan, will give you the floor. Again, fightnights.com. Anything else uh, here that's on your mind as we close out the podcast? Yeah, well, I'll be reporting for uh, the ring this weekend uh, at this fight, so you'll see all my stuff on on the ring. Hopefully, we'll have a story out tonight. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy week, so i got to get uh, working on that. Uh, excited to meet y'all uh, at the Ford uh, Center in Frisco, Texas, which is also the home of the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> probably Cowboys fans out there with you there. Yeah, let us let us know if you see Des Bryant hanging around uh, because allegedly that's now the big talk in Dallas that Jerry and Des may kiss and make up at some point. Who knows uh, if if that happens? Hopefully, it'll be a good time in the fight. Marquise Johns, before we get out of here, anything else on the Big Fight Weekend podcast? Absolutely, TJ. Uh, two things. Also, uh, Friday night over in Samstown in Vegas, Mayweather Promotions has a showbox card showing on Showtime late Friday night. Uh, the intriguing fight on that card is uh, Keith Hunter, uh, Michael the Bounty Hunter's little brother, as you well know, uh, facing uh, injury repl- uh, a replacement in uh, Serbik uh, Rob Romanoff, who had- should be a fun fight on that card. It's prospect cards for the most part with Mayweather Promotions. The main card uh, attraction of that fight kind of got out with injury because of illness and Malik Hunter, Malik Hawkins, actually, so that's kind of this- a letdown on that part, but that should be a fun card. Also, as always, TJ, uh, find me on Twitter at Week Sauce Radio. I'll be, as always, covering these fights as usual, watching these things. Looking forward to hearing, because uh, this is being on Matchroom, the, the zone card. Looking to hear uh, the, uh, Sergio Mora's thoughts on the heavyweight fights. I'm sure they're going to ask him and Mannix at some point during this fight when they're not giving us the wrong time when these fights are going to start. Uh, their thoughts on the big fights this past weekend. Looking forward to it. 
All right, good stuff. Uh, and again, follow Ryan at O'Hara Sports. Follow him at FightNights.com as well as The Ring and uh, and all of their coverage, Ring Magazine and all of their coverage. Guys, I enjoyed it. It was great. Ryan, thanks for hopping on with us and making it happen here on the podcast. We appreciate it, sir. Anytime, man. Thank you very much for having me on. There's Ryan O'Hara, Marquise Johns. Great stuff. We'll be reading you in the preview mode, the recap mode, and much more on BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you. Absolutely, DJ. Thanks for having me on as always. Uh, And we thank all of you for being with us as well here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Enjoy all the action this weekend. Keep reading on BigFightWeekend.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights. Bye.